even though he wasn't able to get over there. He had we had plane tickets and he got too sick. But he is something that I know that he wanted me to continue. In fact, we had a a friend that came over with a very large donation for our endowment fund and and Gary cried. He was just so happy to know because he was like, "Oh, is this going to continue, you know, when I'm gone?" And so it really helps to know that I have a purpose that he would have been in accord with, continued to be in accord with. So, uh, so I've been to Haiti already. I went um, late May, I guess. I was there for three weeks, and I'm going back tonight. <laughs> um, I'm going to be sleeping in Miami Airport from 2:30 to 6:30. <laughs> but um, there's so many things I want to do. I mean, as much as they've accomplished without me being there very often. I can see that there's more that I can do. And they tell me, too, there's so much more you can teach us. So they're hungry to learn, and and I'm a teacher. And, you know, I was in mathematics, but that's not really what they need the most. And what I loved about mathematics was the logic of it. And what uh, Pastor Volsi, um, our consultant, told me was what they need most is critical thinking in their faith and in all areas of their life. And I loved the logic of math, and that's critical thinking. So... I'm starting to think about how I can teach them. Even if I teach English, you know, they say, hey, okay, you need to teach English. But I don't want to just teach English out of a textbook. If I teach English, it'll be something where I can incorporate critical thinking into it. If I do Bible studies, incorporate a critical thinking into it. So I'm starting to think about that. The biggest challenge is I can't hear Creole in my ear. I can read it. I can write it. I can speak it. I can jabber. But then when they answer me, I have a hard time hearing it. And I know, you know, they can translate the important conversations, but the really important things are the things they say when they think you're not listening, when they're just talking. You know, if I'm going to really understand them to help them more, I need to learn how to hear it in my ear. And I'll be over more often, so that will help. And I also ask for your prayers for that, too. Um, So um, I could tell you a lot of success stories, but I think I won't do that. I'll probably send an update about that sometime soon, but... For now, it's like, for now, I don't even feel like it's not the success stories that are important to me. It's just important to me to be doing God's will. You know, it's not all about us and how we're doing such great things. It's about God, you know, and the thing that I should be getting most excited about, and it kind of convicted me that I'm not always, is what has Jesus already done for us, what he's done for us on the cross. And if I start talking about, oh, what our kids are doing this and that and the other and more than excitement about what he's done on the cross, that's not right. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, I don't know what God's going to lead that to the future, but right now I just want to say pray pray for me to be able to be in the center of his will, whether it's there or here or wherever. So I guess that's all I have to say unless you have questions. Let's, let's pray for Betty. <clears throat> Father, I remember a time in the Bible where about 120 people were sitting around drinking coffee and your spirit fell on them and suddenly everybody around them heard them speaking in language they hadn't learned and they had perfect hearing. So, Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally right now do whatever it takes in Betty's Brain, wherever it is that the language skills are processed and, and language understanding is processed. 
I, pr I pray that she would have a supernatural connection between her ability to read the language and speak the language and hear the language. Because I know what happens as in that deep Creole dialect going by at 100 miles an hour. Her brain is going, wait, wait, I didn't quite get that. I didn't quite, I didn't quite, I didn't quite get that. And I just pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally speed up the processor in her brain to be able to understand what is being said, not just to her, but what's being understood, what's being said around her so that she can enter in, that she can fully enter in uh, and be a part of the community, uh, fully integrated in the community and increase uh, her impact 60, 30, 60, 100 fold as she's just present with them in, in the everyday moments of their lives together. And I praise you, Lord, for meeting every physical need, every financial need, every emotional need, every spiritual need. I thank you, Lord, for the angels that travel with her, that keep up with her luggage, that make sure she makes all the connections. I thank you, Lord, for the angels that protect her from any device that the enemy would, would launch at her while she's traveling or while she's on the ground that she was, is wrapped supernaturally uh, in a hedge of protection uh, and that the, your spirit is going to, to anoint every word she says that it leaves her mouth. You are opening up the understanding of everybody who's listening that Jesus would be glorified. And that, just as she said, Lord, she wants to point people to Jesus, that, that her presence and her words would trigger in them a faith response that comes from your anointing. And we praise you and thank you for the harvest, a, a unique harvest this time in a way that she's never seen before that's coming forth just out of her faithfulness to be there. Lord, in the vision you've given her, she's just being obedient. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Bless you, Lord. Show you. You have to see if you can figure out who this is. That little game we play, see what you think. This is my oldest granddaughter, Alice, who, as you can tell from this picture, <coughs> is about to be a sophomore in high school. No, no. And <coughs> this is Alice will be uh, 11 in September, and she's going into the fifth grade. But you can't. Um, you couldn't prove it from this picture. <clears throat> Alice is a... Um, well, this is one of the shopping trips that her other grandparents took her to at, at some really nice store. I'm almost positive. I don't have the whole story. This really looks like something, something that her other grandmother would do to take her to a nice fancy store in Dallas and get her this outfit. This is for, like her, for her first day at school outfit, I'm sure. <laughs> um, anyhow, so as I think, David's comment when he sent me this picture this week was, 
uh, it's time to build the tower. <laughs> and of course, we're proud of her. She's, she's an amazing child. It's like all of our grandkids and, uh, and all of your grandchildren children too. So. But I was just sitting there watching. And, you know, the thing that you say to yourself when you're seeing pictures like this is, they're just growing up so fast. Where does the time go? She's just growing up so fast. And then, and then the Holy Spirit stopped me in the middle of this the, the middle of this conversation I was sort of having with myself and the Holy Spirit interrupted me and said um, I, I think you're missing the point and then he, he showed me something that was just I got super excited about and I'll tell you about it in a minute now I have to show you another picture. So, so this is my dear friend, Nancy Bickers, who went to be with Jesus about four o'clock last Sunday. She just turned 80. She'd been suffering from Alzheimer's for... Well, of course, who knows how long people have Alzheimer's, so it's, it's so insidious, but um, for about the last two or three years, it had just been, it, it really had a grip on her. So, and the, it was a great time with all of her family and friends. Yesterday, we drove up for the funeral, and um, I just... This, the story of the relationship that that Nancy and I have, and that our two families have, is really it's un, it's something that I don't talk about very often because it just it was just so organically a point a part of my life. But I um, so, so, some of you know Nancy, some of you don't. Nancy was a member at Central Christian Church in Marble Falls for 10 years, something like that, um, before um, they, she and her husband Tommy retired and they entered a different kind of life. But, but I have uh, known Nancy since I was four years old. And... My family joined Hyde Park Christian Church in Austin about the same time that Nancy and Tommy got married in 1955 or, yeah, 1955. And uh, so she was 17 when she got married. And um, she was, she was the daughter of the pastor. The first pastor I ever knew was her father, Archie. And um, she was a church organist, um, church pianist slash organist for a long time, uh, even at the age of 17. Um, she was my f- first accompanist. And we, uh, my, I played my first 
trombone solo for the University Intergalactic League Solo and Ensemble Contest in the seventh grade. She was my first accompanist. Um, for, like, for two or three years, she accompanied me until I, my private lesson teacher um, started having his wife play for me. And I grew up in that church, and I grew up alongside her children who were you know, five years younger than me. Um, she eventually became the, the associate pastor slash education director at Central Christian Church. And like the next year, I became the youth director. And so we served uh, on, the, on the church staff together for a couple of years. Nancy was my first mentor. Um, and Nancy had this amazing, wonderful gift of just being able to accept people, to just accept them. The thing, the lesson that I learned from Nancy um, is... My first experience with Don't Freak Out was with Nancy because she would just, she had this ability to just accept people right where they were, to just listen to them, to just offer her support and support and love, not criticize them, not tear them apart and say, well, you know, you, you should have done this differently, you should have done this differently, you should have did this. Why did you do it this way? Why didn't you do it this way? She was just, she would listen and understand and then she could lovingly just throw out hints or suggestions um, to encourage people to make different choices or better choices. She was a super gifted counselor. She also had the ability of, I mean, if you had a close relationship with her, she would also be able to just sit you down and say, look, you know, I really love you, but this is stupid and you should change it. Um, but uh, there was always that her friends not only had the benefit of her love and acceptance, they had the benefit of her uh, loving honesty. She was very practical in that regard. I know, here's the interesting thing. I know that I ended up in Marble Falls as a pastor because of Nancy. Because when Central Christian Church back in 1977 was looking for a pastor, her father, Archie, was had just finished being, doing a stint as the interim pastor at Central Christian Church. And I know that Nancy told her dad, you need to tell the people at that little church in Marble Falls that Jackie, can, Jackie should come and be the pastor there. <coughs> um, and eventually that happened. A lot of you know that story. If, if, if it weren't for Nancy, I wouldn't have ever ended up in Marble Falls. And about eight years later, when I became the president of the, the Highland Lakes Family Crisis Center, I ended up hiring Nancy to come and become the, executive, the first executive director for the Highland Lakes Crisis Center. And eventually, she went on, had a, a tremendous impact uh, in the lives of battered women and their families. Uh, she went from there. She became she was on the staff for the the Texas Council on Family Violence in Austin. They were just too creepy for her <coughs> there. They were, it was way too liberal for her. So she she uh, came back. She quit that job and she ended up starting another ministry here in Marble Falls that I was also the president of called Counseling Incorporated, which is a sliding scale uh, counseling service for people who couldn't afford regular counseling. Um, anyhow. Wonderful, fantastic woman. Um, 
And I'll just tell you this. Um, story we heard yesterday just was, you know, all, Alzheimer's robs you of all sorts of things, and eventually it robs you of your ability to, to even speak most of the time. You can, uh, there may be parts of you in there that's, that are still enough aware that you're trying, but nothing's really working. Um, last Saturday, we could, we could go yesterday, all the family had gathered uh, at the nursing home. And by this time, Nancy was completely unresponsive. She was just there. And so I take that back. She was responsive a few days before that when four of her uh, grandkids came in with uh, their daughter, Lisa. And even, even though she was told by family and the nurses you will get more response from this table over here than you'll get from Nancy. When those four kids came in, one at a time, Nancy opened her eyes, she reached out, she hugged them, she, um, she re- remembered where the, the oldest boy, Jonathan, had a special place on his back that he liked to be scratched and tickled. She did, she did that little thing, she did something special with each of the kids, uh, even though she couldn't really say anything, she clearly recognized them. So then uh, Saturday afternoon, the family had gathered around. And by this point, she wasn't responding to the voices of any of her kids or Tommy. Uh, she w- would only respond to her, her daughter-in-law, Laura's voice. And her daughter-in-law, uh, is a pastor, United Church of Christ, United Church of Christ pastor. Um, she works uh, in a hospice ministry now, I think. But um, anyhow, Laura had all the family gathered around, and Laura read the Lord's Prayer, just basically reading it over Nancy, because um, nobody expected anything except we're here to say goodbye. And as she slowly read out the phrases of the Lord's Prayer, uh, I got, I think, to the phrase, uh, uh, he he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and Nancy's eyes woke, opened up, and she started moving as if to try to get up. Um, and then they, and he was, obviously she was trying to say something, and they got all the way, finally got all the way to the end, uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Laura said, Amen. And Nancy's lips clearly formed the phrase, she couldn't say it, but she pronounced it. And she went to the, be with the Lord the next morning. So Nancy was the most practical, most supportive, most caring person I think I've ever 
been around. She was also f- a firm advocate for women's rights before there was a women's rights movement in the sense that she didn't believe that there was anything that, that women couldn't do. Uh, never, never, it never uh, ever occurred to her that she would be uh, a crazy liberal women's rights activist. Um, she was just somebody who was not, as, not scared to do anything ever for any reason uh, and encouraged a lot of women without turning them into uh, militant activists, just encouraged women everywhere uh, to have confidence in themselves and their gifts and, their, uh, and who they were in Jesus. So privileged to know her. I, I, I have no idea where I would be right now if it weren't for my relationship with Nancy and her family that went back to the time I was four years old. Um, so what I'm, what I'm saying, I guess more than anything at this point, is that never, never be surprised at what God has in store. And I'm going to tie the two stories together. Alice, she's growing up. Nancy, really graduating. And God reminded me of this. First John 3, 3, 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him just as he is and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So I was meditating about this picture of Alice and, and God said, you've got this all wrong. Yeah, she's growing. She's going to grow up. She's going to be amazing. She's going to be fantastic. But um, this is all so tiny and fleeting and it's not even the point. Because one of these days she and all of us will be where Nancy was yesterday. We think we've arrived at a certain time in our lives. When we, when we, have a, when we get our first house or when, when we get married or when we win some kind of award for something that we did or, or when we, um, I don't know, and we keep... Um, raise, we have these ambitions and we have these hopes and we have these dreams and, uh, and then we, we, we reach what we think is the pinnacle, whatever that is, and God said, no. No, you're not there yet. No, you're not there yet. No, you're not there yet. Randy, would you go check and see what's happening? Uh, no, 
You're not there. Hi. Okay. That's okay. So, so we have all these goals. We have all these things that we think this is what's going to fulfill us. This is what's going to satisfy us. For Alice, a cool jewel tone blue dress and fancy strap uh, heels at 10 years old. Uh, even at Nancy at 80 with a fantastic career that's touched who knows how many, who knows how many lives. Just yesterday, crossed over where she doesn't have to say anymore, are we there yet? And, and God said, remember what I told you in, in 1 John chapter 3? God loves you so much that he has called you children of God and such we are right now. Right now, in this moment, if you know Jesus, you are experiencing his love as his child. It's not something that's in the future. You are his child right now. He loves you. He cares about you. You are his, and he is yours. But that's, that's what's going on right now in this moment. Uh, and that's why, incidentally, if you're a believer who has a hard time, um, people around you who aren't believers have a hard time figuring you out and connecting with you and relating to you appropriately, this is why. Paul says in, uh, at some place that we, we give off an aroma. We smell like Jesus. And that some people, for some people, that's not a good smell. For, for some, they, uh, it's a challenging smell. It's a, it's a problematic. Just sometimes if you're a believer and you walk in the room and people know that you're a believer, are, they are looking for ways to get out because they don't want any of what you smell like to get on them. So, but that's now. If the reason the world does not know you is because they didn't know him, they didn't receive him, they didn't trust him, uh, they, uh, they didn't understand him, they don't understand you. That's just the way it is. Beloved, now, again, he emphasized, now, right now, in this moment, we are children of God. But wait, it has not appeared yet what we shall be. All we know is this. When he appears, we're going to be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's break this down a little bit. So, are you there yet? I think we're about to establish that no, no, you're not. You are his because he loves you and he says so. That's already done. You are, why are you a child of God? Because God says so. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why are you a child of God? Because God says you are. It doesn't make any difference what your family says. It doesn't make any difference what the world says. It doesn't make any difference what your emotions tell you. Because emotionally, the devil has a real good 
does a real good job of telling us that we're failures and that we're helpless and that we're hopeless and that we're dumb, that, we'll, that, we can, that nothing will ever be better, uh, and that we don't deserve anything good to happen to us ever again. He keeps reminding us of the past. He keeps reminding us that we, that we aren't worthy. The, devil, that's the devil's full-time job is to make you feel terrible all the time. But Jesus says, you're mine. You are mine, and nobody's going to ever take that away. Nobody's going to ever take you away from me. If, you, if, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are mine. You are mine right now. I say so. It's already done. Nobody can do anything about that. But wait, there's more. If you send in 1995 today, you will get double everything that there is. And free shipping. Boy, do not, go straight to heaven. Go to heaven. Go straight to heaven. Do not pass go. Do not need to collect $200. Something greater, something more powerful, more amazing, our full destiny from the foundation of the world that we haven't even scratched the surface, and it's going to take eternity to fathom and explore and enjoy. None of that happens. None of that happens until you reach the place that Nancy did last week when she crossed over a week ago today. She stepped into, at that moment, the fullness of her destiny, just like Gary did a couple of months ago, stepped into the fullness of his destiny, in spite of all the wonderful, amazing, truly beautiful things that Gary did to bless a lot of people's lives. That was just a warm-up. His true destiny comes on the other side. Because eternity, how long does eternity last? (laughs) A really long time. So much so that Paul calls what we're going through now, what does he refer to this as what we're going through now? Light, momentary affliction. Temporary. Light, momentary affliction. It's going to produce an eternal weight eternal, eternal weight of glory. So we, we keep forgetting. We look at that picture of Laura. Oh, isn't she cute? They're going up so fast. But, I mean, yeah, Alice, Laura's growing up too, but she doesn't have those, that dress. Uh, um, that, that they're growing up so fast, and God says, your perspective's wrong. We're talking about eternity. As believers, we're talking about eternity. Everything that you were created for from the foundation of the world is yet to come. The devil wants you to, make, wants you to focus on your life right now, tell you that you stink, tell you that your life stinks, and say that it's over. And Jesus is saying, gosh, look, right now you're children of God. And you know what? We don't even know. We can't even begin to describe. We can't explain what we're going to be. C.S. Lewis did say this. He did say, um, if, we, if we could see somebody now, if we could see Nancy now, if we could see Gary now, what they're experiencing, we could have a glimpse and we could see them, we would fall down and worship them because we would assume that they were angels or gods of some sort. They're, the, the magnificence of their physical appearance and the spiritual impact of their presence would just knock us to our knees. 
our full destiny from the foundation of the world. We haven't even scratched it. We have eternity to fathom and explore and enjoy. But now our only clue about what we're going to maybe be like is that when he appears, and this word appear in Greek means as a sh- appears as a shining light. It's like turning on a light switch. When he appears, boom! You see what you couldn't see before. Boom! When he appears, y'all, let's read this together. We will be like him. We will behold him in all the fullness of his glory, glory that he graciously bestows on us as well. We will be like him. We will be like him. Not following him around saying, Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Pay attention to me for just a moment, Jesus. It's like we will enter into the fullness of what it means to be a joint heir with Jesus. With an entire eternal, infinite galaxy. And if there are multiverses, we'll have multiple eternities, I guess. Uh, take that, Mr. Hawking. Uh, the, and, but here's this last piece. This, her, this, this thing, the expectation that this moment is coming, the looking forward to that moment should be our focus because it is this hope that provides ultimate deliverance from the deceptions and the pain of this world. And that's when God just really just kind of sh- kind of shook me and got my attention. The reason we get sidetracked and dragged down into all the mud that goes on down here is that we forget who we are really supposed to be. We are forget who we're really called to be. We forget who we belong to. We forget who our destiny, who holds our destiny. The hope that provides the ultimate deliverance from the deceptions and the pain of this world. So let's look at this. This comes down to this. What are you focused on? Right now, in this minute, right now, what are you focused on? What are you focused on mentally? What are you focused on emotionally? What are you focused on physically? What is it that's consuming your attention and your energy right now? What is it? Because I bet for most of us, it's not really Jesus so much. He says that those who have, that we're supposed to have our hope fixed on Jesus right now and forever. Not just in the, the sort of pragmatic, yes, I know, Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, and one of these days I'll get to go to heaven and this will all be over with. Oh, but I hate my life right now. Um, you, your hope is focused on him now and forever with this promise that is so mind-blowing that you can't even get around around it. This word, elpis, the Greek word for hope is elpis, and it means it hasn't happened yet, but there is no doubt in your mind that it is coming, it is settled, and you're just waiting with expectation. We all, the, the phrase is what? There, nothing certain in life but what? Death and taxes. That's what keeps Laura in business. Not the death part, but the taxes part. Uh, we would like for there to be no taxes next year. Oh, but wait, there's only going to be one little half-page form. Uh, no, there's going <laughs> no. yeah, to... So, so, uh, but 
Here's another thing that is certain. If you belong to Jesus, one day you are going to see. It doesn't make any difference how messed up your life was in this. Doesn't make any difference how many mistakes you made. Doesn't make any difference how many failures. Doesn't make doesn't make any difference whether you were or you had more victories than defeats. If you belong to Jesus, one of these days you see him face to face and boom, boom, you are changed into somebody who, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, right? You're changed into somebody who in every way looks like Jesus. Turn around to somebody you're sitting next to or turn around to somebody right now and say, you know what, you look a little bit like Jesus. Albert, you look, you look a lot, you look a little bit like Jesus. All right, but, but just think, one of these days, people aren't going to be able to tell the difference. You step into eternity, people aren't going to be able to tell the difference. It's settled. You're just waiting for it to happen. <clears throat> In spite of the fact that it, it was a long, drawn-out progress pro- process, there was no doubt that Mariah's baby was going to be born, right? Just, I mean, no doubt. Um, that's Elpis. Looking forward to it. It's go- it hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. This is even cooler than that. All right. This, now, but here's, this hope purifies. It means, the Greek word is agnos, and it means to cleanse from defilement or, can, or contamination. How many of you have ever felt like you were contaminated or defiled in some way? Contaminated with, you know, so this occurred to me as I was meditating on this. We're contaminating defiled usually by all those things we pursue and fight for because we think they will heal us and help us when only he can. Those are the things, that struggle, that ambition, that thinking, it's got to be this, it's got to be this, it's got to be this. Uh, shares the same root as agios, which means holy. So the people who have this hope of one day seeing Jesus, beholding him face to face, and becoming like him, the hope of looking forward with anticipation to that is what purifies us from all the junk that otherwise we struggle and fight and obsess and, and worry about in this life. Uh, Any time we get sucked into that, that pit of despair or, the, uh, that, or, or anger or rebellion or jealousy or, or disappointment with Gosh, the way my life turned out today is not what I wanted at all. I, is there anybody else up there, God, that I could talk to besides you? Uh, that, it's that con- contamination of obsessing about what's happening now that steals from us the focus that John says, if you want to be set free from that stuff, do you want to be delivered from that stuff that keeps knocking you down and sucking you down? He who has this hope, this focus purifies himself so the question is what is it that you are focusing on what is it that you're telling yourself right now if only I could if only this had when this finally happens what I really need right now is finish that sentence with whatever fill in the blank with whatever is your 
doing right now if only this would happen if only this hadn't happened if I had if I could only get this if only this thing would change if only this thing would come if that only the whole if only game of that you're pursuing to try to plug in the gaps where you feel empty or hurt or afraid in your life that takes your focus off the promises we have in Jesus and also, there's a term for this if-only stuff. What, you might know what the, the, what the term is for, for saying if only this had happened, if only this would happen. What's that called? Magical thinking. Uh, that's a, because the truth is, who is it that's going to really change you? Who is it that's going to really deliver you? Who is it that's already said, you are my child and nothing will ever take that away? Who is it that says, I have a future for you and a hope and nothing's going to ever change that away, take that away? It's Jesus who said, keep focusing on me because one of these days we're going to meet each other face to face and it's going to completely blow your mind forever. <sighs> So I've got this video. But before I, let me punch this button before Mike, before we put the.